It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I'm your host, Marchionone, along for the ride, as always, my partner in crime from phillyisflyer.com. The very tired, the very drowsy Dan Silver. Dan, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? I, yeah, I think someone put some like uh, sedatives in my water tonight or something, combined with them staying up late last night to watch the Flyers game. But we're going to, we're going to, we get through. We got some great stuff on tap. Yeah, of course we do. We always do. That's what we do. And I'm not going to let the uh, the drowsiness overcome me. I have my cup of coffee here next to me and my wonderful Carson Wentz mug. And uh, once again, we are joined by a third party to the uh, to the group here today. Um, our friend Ted Brown joins us. Ted, what's up, bud? How are you? Hey, man. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Well. You know, can't complain. Um, one person, I, we'll just jump right into it because there's a lot to get into. And one person who's probably doing um, about as bad as you can at this point is Flyers goaltender Michael Neuverth. Pull the Harry Houdini in the game against the uh, the Avalanche. And, you know, now you see me, now you don't. One second he's in the game, the next second he's not. An apparent injury. Uh, one, obviously, the Flyers aren't really saying much about it. Not that they ever do, but um, it's a very muddled and confusing goalie situation for the Flyers. Stop me if you've heard this before, but the Flyers goalie carousel continues to spin around, and not many answers in sight. So it looks like Alex Lyon will be back with the team. Peter Morazic obviously has been with the team. Who knows? It's 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 a game to game situation, game to game basis that these goalies are playing on right now. Uh, Dan, I'll start with you first. Gun to your head, if you had to pick one to ride into the playoffs, who would you go with? Carter Hart. <laughs> no. <laughs> but seriously, it was basically like David Copperfield came out of the ice last night, and instead of making an airplane disappear. He made our goaltender disappear. Yeah, like, Jim I mean, Jackson I, didn't even know what happened. He was as confused as anybody else was. I, I know what he was going. I mean, it was it was very strange because the way that it happened. I mean, you sort of had no idea that Neuber's out of the game, and all of a sudden Razik's in the game, and their masks look somewhat similar. And I, it was. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, we all make jokes about Michael Neuwirth and how fragile he is. The guy couldn't even make it through two periods of of a game after he comes back. No, so, it's bad. You know, there were rumors earlier this year that the Flyers were fed up with his uh, his China doll routine and that they were going to try and ship him out of town at some point. I mean, I think got to be trying to unload Michael Neuwirth in the offseason, despite the fact that he knocked up Radko Gudis's, um sister. So, I don't know. But, um, I, I mean, I guess it's, I, I don't know, I guess it's Peter Mrazek right now. I mean, he's just so inconsistent. The one the one thing and um, is with Alex Lyon, right, you sort of know what you're going to get. He's mediocre, right? I mean, he's, he's he doesn't have great rebound control. He can make good saves from time to time. Mrazek can either be really bad or really good. So it's almost like you're going to just have to pray that you get the really good Peter Morazic into the playoffs, assuming the Flyers make the playoffs, which they probably will, and ride him out. I mean, Brian Elliott, the guy had abdominal surgery. Like Everyone always talks about how it took Giroux and um, Gostas there like an entire year and offseason to recover from that kind of surgery to the point where they were playing well. Now you're talking about a goalie who's got to go, he's relying on that area um, of his body to, to get across the crease and make saves. It's very hard to imagine that Elliott's going to be the guy that they ride, although they may try. So I guess right now it's Peter Mrazic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, couldn't even, I can't even fathom the thought that Brian Elliott will be back at all for the rest of this season. 
you don't I mean if you're a goalie your your core your abdomen is such a big part of your game and everything you need to do every move you need to make is going to pull on that in some way so I don't think that he will be remotely ready for any type of playoff run at all and I guess it looks I mean look they're not really saying to the extent of Neuver's injury, not that, you know, like I said, not that they ever do. They're all very hush-hush about this. The whole league is. But it's pretty clear that once the playoffs start, you can't trust your team in the hands of Michael Neuverth because you don't know what shot, what move, what save is going to injure this guy again. And if he's riding hot and you put all your faith in him, you know, next thing you know, you're halfway through game one of the playoffs and he's out again because God only knows what happened to him. Um, Tim or Ted, do you pretty much uh, do you echo the sentiment of Dan? Which which of these two goalies would you go with either Morazic or Alex Lyon going forward? I liked uh, Dan's answer with Carter Hart, but I just don't think that's realistic. So. Out of the two, Morazic, but he scares the hell out of me because he takes himself out of position so much. I mean, he probably has the best uh, skills of any Flyers goalie right now, but he's just so inconsistent that he, he can't be trusted. Yeah, um, I'm going to just... I'm going to go against the grain of both of you. I would give it to Alex Lyon. If I had to choose, Alex Lyon would be my guy. Um, I just think that he's played so much better than Peter Morazic. I feel, I personally feel more comfortable when Alex Lyon is in net as compared to Peter Morazic. For one of the reasons what Ted just said is Peter Morazic, we've seen him so many times recently where he just overcommits on the puck, overcommits to a move, or, or just just overcommitting in general. And it puts him out of position, and the next thing you know, the opposing team is staring at a wide-open net, and they're banging at home, and, and that's it. And Alex Lyon, I think he, to me, he's just, he's the hotter goalie right now. I think he has more confidence than Peter Morazic does right now. And I think that at this point... You're not going to get somebody that, um, you know, you're not going to get a game stealer. You're not going to get what you need. You're not going to get a top-notch playoff goalie. So you have to ride whichever of the goalies you have right now that's playing with the most confidence. And I think that's Alex Lyon. I just, I mean, Peter Moraza came in in the Colorado game and played great. But we've seen him play great, and then we've seen him... He's just been very inconsistent, and it's not somebody that I want to trust a playoff run in the hands of. Yeah, I just... Do you really think that Alex Lyon's going to win a playoff series against the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mean, he's just... Well, he's just kind of, like I said, he's just kind of vanilla. And he's... Peter Morazic could steal games, right? I mean, they're not going to be the favorite anyway against whoever they play. And I would rather go with the goalie who might be able to steal a game or two, kind of like Neuwirth did against the Capitals uh, the year that the the, um, the bracelet fiasco happened at uh, at the Farg. But um, no, yes, but I mean, I would. I mean, there's like there's no good answer. I'm joking about Carter Hart, and we can talk about no, it more. I, I really think that uh, that they're going to give him a chance next year to 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 win the job. It's totally you know a uh, not. Probably not going to happen, but I, the goaltending situation is such a mess with this team, and the rest of the team is coming around a lot faster than I think Hextel probably thought. To the point where next year you're looking at a team that conceivably could be a cup contender. These young kids keep getting better and better, and I think you need to give them the best possible goalie. And if Carter Hart comes in to training camp and proves that he's the best goalie, I. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a shot. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, I, I just think we're as just the guy, and maybe Elliot will come back. But I think it's I think it's between those two guys who's a playoff starter. I don't think that they're going to let Alex Lyon be the playoff starter for this team. But I could be wrong. Yeah, it, it kind of goes against the grain of everything that Haxtell seems to believe in. 
uh, if he gave the reins of the team to the young goalie. Um, Morazic is probably the guy, you know, for better or worse. You know, obviously I don't necessarily agree with that. But you touched on Carter Hart and next season, and it is a bit premature, but I think it's a fair point to kind of get into because you could kind of tell by what Ron Hextall did this past week with the signing of Felix Sandstrom that he himself is not feeling all that confident in the in the outlook right now of his goaltending situation. You know, he sees the two guys that he started the season with uh, injured. One guy literally probably could not stay healthy if there was like an incentive in his contract to stay healthy for a certain amount of games. He wouldn't be able to do it. And he sees Alex Lyon, who is, you know, a decent goaltender, but probably not a long-term solution at the NHL level. And he sees Peter Morazic, the guy that he just traded two draft picks for, that he expected to come in. I, re- I really believe he probably expected him to come in and play a lot better than he is. And I think Ron Hextall, you know, former goalie, the whole the whole bit, I just don't think – I think he's not happy, and you're absolutely right. I think he didn't expect things to get moved along this fast as far as all the other positions are concerned. You know, you look at the young – the play of, you know, Lindblom ever since he's come up. Nolan Patrick has really stepped it up in the last month or two. Travis Konechny is the hottest player on the Flyers since this – you know, during the second half of the season – and I think the way that Hexall's looking at it is if these guys are all getting better, then we have to figure out this goalie situation or we're going to have a couple of wasted years where these guys are playing at the top of their game and they're not getting the adequate support by their netminder. Ted, what do you think? I mean, Carter Hart, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a real – I think Dan's right. It's a realistic thing to think about that he could possibly be up here next year in a small sample size, I'm not going to say that they're going to give him the go-ahead from day one, but I mean, how, what do you think? How good of a chance do you think it is that we see Carter Hart at some point next season? I think there's a pretty good chance, um, just because if he tears it up in the AHL, why not give him a shot? You know, if he's already shown that he can handle it among pros. Give him a shot if there's an injury or something because, you know, that's the only time that they call people up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that's going to happen this summer with, with just from that aspect with the goalies. And, you know, Dan said earlier that maybe the Flyers want to try to unload Michael Neuwirth. I don't think there's a team on this planet that would give you anything for him. So I think to get rid of him would have to probably be a buyout situation. And then you're faced with, you have Brian Elliott, who will be under contract for another year after this one. And what do you do for your backup? Are you going to bring back Peter Morazic? If you do, what type what type of contract are you going to give him? How many years are you going to give him? Knowing that you have your two promising young goalie prospects in the minors, grooming themselves to make that next step. So I think this summer is going to really, it's going to, it's going to be a big test for Ron Hextall and exactly how he puts a Band-Aid on the, uh, on the situation till Hart and Sandstrom are ready to, uh, to be what I think, and I think most think will be a pretty, pretty mean goalie tandem for the Flyers in the next two to three years. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, it's, I, I, I don't think, right, to bring back Morazic, they're going to have to give him a qualifying offer of at least $4 million. I don't think they want to do that, so I feel, unless he unless he's incredible in the playoffs. But assuming that he keeps up his inconsistent play, they're not going to qualify him for $4 million. So he'll hit the free agent market, most likely, and then maybe they sign him to a smaller deal. But I doubt it. So, you know, I think you're looking at Brian Elliott will be one of the goalies for this team next year. And then the other one is, I don't know, it's either going to be, you know, both Lyon and Stolars are free agents at the end of the season. They're restricted free agents, so the Flyers can control their rights. But the question is, do they want to bring them back? I mean, it doesn't seem to me like Dave Axel has shown confidence in Alex Lyon to the point where even that he'd be a backup bullet in the NHL for a long period of time. So, but again, if Carter Hart, you want him playing. So if he's 
doesn't make the Flyers as a starter, he's probably in the AHL. So I don't know who the backup is. Maybe they try and see if Neuvert can stay healthy again. I'm, I'm not sure. It's hard to see Hextall going out and signing another goalie also, right? I mean, yeah. he just signed Elliott. So yeah. it's a, it is an interesting situation. I think Elliott's probably the only guy who you'd view as a surefire guy to be with the Flyers next year. I don't know. Maybe if Hart's good enough in camp, maybe Elliott and Hart split time for the Flyers. I, I, I don't know. Carey Price made the NHL uh, right out of juniors. So... I don't know. Carter Hart's stats are better than Carey Price's. He's putting up otherworldly numbers. We'll see what happens next year. But I think it'll be Elliot and I'll say Elliot and Hart. Wow. I mean, the Flyers have. Here's the problem. I mean, they have so many goaltenders, but the problem is there's so many question marks with just about all of them. Carter Hart has the most promise, but. Until he's actually up in the NHL and playing in real games, you can't really. I mean, you could you could build him up all you want, and obviously he's put up ridiculous numbers in juniors. But until he comes up in the NHL and starts to prove that he's more than just an elite juniors goaltender, and he can be a, you know, I don't want to say elite, but a a, you know, a top end. NHL goaltender, you don't know what you have in him. You know, we have we see it all the time in every sport. The pro- the hot prospect that looks like he could do no wrong, and then once he gets onto the bright lights of the main stage, he kind of folds. So it, it, it's it's honestly it's a clusterfuck. It, it it is a clusterfuck of goalie of, of a goalie situation that the Flyers have right now. I'm hoping that either Sandstrom or Hart can finally be the answer to the Flyers' problems and, you know, and, and just end these the years and years of dreck at one position. It is insane to think, you know, that the Flyers have been this bad at goalie this long and they've had this many question marks this long. So I, I pray to God that either Carter Hart or Felix Stantrum can finally be the answer to this problem so we could uh, – you know, because once these these other players that they have, once they get going and this team becomes a contender, it's going to need a goalie. And it has to be one of those two guys. Otherwise, they're set back another couple of years until they find somebody. But, Dan, I know um, while we were talking before the show, you kind of, um, you know, we're going over what we want to talk about and obviously the biggest thing right now is the goalies and the playoffs and it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point the Flyers stand a 94.5% chance of making the playoffs thanks to the win uh, Wednesday night against the Colorado Avalanche a team that is one of the best teams in the NHL at home and the Flyers got a huge win but you uh you know, once again, you're a little upset with uh, with your fellow fans because they're, uh, th- you know, last week it was, you know, I don't even remember. What were you mad about last week? You're mad about something new every week with the fans. Uh, I can't even keep track, but it wasn't – you're misrepresenting the situation. I don't even think it was mad or about the fans. I don't remember exactly what, what the topic was, but well, this it's, hard week, to keep, it's hard to keep track these days. I'm getting pretty old. Well, this week your discontent is with the uh, some people's perceptions of uh, everyone's favorite Russian, Ivan Provorov. I think it was more um, that I was hearing from Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic was talking about how some of the reporters in the press box have been talking about how, well, what's wrong with Ivan Provorov? He hasn't been playing as well. Is he injured? Is he his, his off-season workout regime where he carries the tires up the hills is, is you know, it's too much and you know, and then it's like he's he's only he's 21 years old. He's going to have good games and bad games. He's leading the team with 24 minutes of ice time per game. He's an absolute warrior. The guy hasn't missed a game in his NHL career. So I think people tend to overreact sometimes when he has games where he has a few defensive miscues or slip ups. But we saw in the game against against Colorado. I mean, he was absolutely dominant. I mean, he basically had a number of really good defensive plays uh, on Nathan McKinnon, who most people think is going to be a top three uh, Hart Trophy MVP finalist, including one play where McKinnon, who's arguably the quickest 
player in the NHL and is the best acceleration, tried to get around Provorov on the outside, and, and Provorov just absolutely shut him down, which is beautiful to see. And then, of course, he got the secondary assist on the first goal of the game where uh, Shane Gossespierre set up to Claude Giroux. And then he had an absolute howitzer from the left point to, uh, to score what became the eventual game-winning goal. Um, I, I thought it was one of the best games that he played all season. So, you know, I think it's time for us to just – and I don't, I, don't, I don't see many fans doubting Provrov, but I just heard some, some media members were, were saying stuff about him. I just – he's an absolute stud. I mean, he's second in the NHL among defensemen with 15 goals, and he doesn't even play on the first power play unit. That's insane to think about. I know he scored some empty netters, but it's still absolutely insane. And, um, you know, he's a guy who, who's probably going to win a Norris Trophy someday, and it might be in the next few years. So I just, you know, I just wanted to, to give Provrov his, his due respect for the ridiculous game he played against Colorado. Yeah, it's very telling that the best player – on the, or I'm sorry, the best defenseman on the team. I guess you could make, no, nah, maybe not a best player, but you could, uh, I mean, obviously the best defenseman on the team is a 21 year old. I think that's pretty telling. And people overreact, especially the media members. You know, they have to write stories. They have to, you know, they have to find news. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But yeah, he had a. He had an incredible game against Colorado. He's actually, I don't think he's been playing all that bad lately. I think he's been generating a, a really good bit of offense for, uh, you know, for being a defenseman and for that not really being his strongest suit. But I, I think he's playing well. But uh, Ted, you uh, you're kind of uh, you're kind of loving on the uh, the young players on the team right now. You mentioned the Lindblom and and uh, Sanheim and Travis Konechny. So of the three, do you have a favorite of them? And uh, is there anything that you think can slow down Travis Konechny right now? Because he is smoking hot. I don't think there's anything that can slow down Travis Konechny other than maybe Travis Konechny. Because since he got promoted to the top of the line, he is fourth in the NHL in 5-on-5 goals with 16 and fifth in points with 30 like the entire nhl so he's playing with good players now and he's putting up good points who would have thunk it yeah really it, yeah I mean, so it's, eventually dave haxtell had to get out of his way and let him become and let him show what he can do because we've seen haxtell since you know last year and even the game, I forget which game it was, when, uh, oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. The two-goal game that Konechny had, and he benched him in the third quarter, or the third quarter, oh. shit, the third period. It was against, it was against the Rangers. Yeah, the, and it was a close game. It was a one-goal game in the third period, and he benched him because he didn't like his uh, handling of the puck. Look, that's fine. If you want to, you know, we've seen him make an example out of Travis Konechny on more than one occasion during this season. But, you know, Ted's absolutely right. Once you put the, once you stop burying him on the third line with, you know, mediocre talent and put it with two guys that are also playing at the top of their game, you see exactly the type of player that Travis Konechny could be. I heard somebody, um, I think it was Jason Martinez of 97.5, called him the... Uh, the next captain for the Flyers, once Drew leaves or, you know, gives up the C or whatever, he sees Konechny being the next captain because he's just kind of a natural-born leader. He's been a captain at every other level that he's been at. And Travis Konechny is my favorite player on this team. His attitude is just it, – it's – for a guy of his size that just is as um, – hard-nosed a player as he is it's very refreshing he's very much a quote-unquote Philly guy with the way he plays and he's a guy that I think that if he keeps this up and he does it you know even next year if he performs well in the playoffs the fans are gonna you know they're gonna fall head over heels for this guy and he's he's a cornerstone as much as Dave Haxall tried to not make him one he's a cornerstone of this team going forward and 
There's, I, I, I agree with Ted. I don't think there's anything that's going to slow him down. There's not anything that's going to stop Travis Konechny other than himself. If he can just, you know, and it's true. What Haxall said, he was kind of careless with the puck in some situations. If he could stop that shit, then I think Travis Konechny is going to be one of the top players on the Flyers for the next five to ten, however many years down the road. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, I got a couple, I, just a couple things I would say. Uh, first of all, about the captain thing, I could go back and look at one of my tweets from the first Flyers development camp I attended, which was the uh, the first year that the Provorov and Konechny were at development camp, and I talked to Konechny and sort of saw him interacting with fans and with reporters. And I tweeted out, I said, this, he could be a captain for the Flyers because he's the kind of guy who you go to a party, there's always a guy who's the life of the party and people are just sort of drawn to. That's Travis Konechny. Like, he, he's just a, a naturally likable guy who also plays his balls out on the ice. Um, so I absolutely think that Konechny could be a future captain for the Flyers. The, the, the funny thing was, so... Um, when he uh, got benched in that game against the Rangers, um, you know, Haxtell basically came out and singled him out after the game, was talking about how there were a couple of plays where he didn't take care of the puck. And, um, you know, meanwhile, Brandon Manning uh, had made some horrible plays in the game. And Jake Worcek, by the way, is a turnover machine. So there's just a double standard when it comes to connecting because, you know, Worcek gives the puck away a lot. If Giroux takes a bad penalty, he's not going to get benched. At some point, Haxtell, I think Haxtell still thinks that he's, like, teaching him. He's a young kid, and he's teaching him what to do and what not to do. Um, it was funny because Josh Hosang, who's kind of a controversial young prospect for the Islanders, was sent down uh, just recently, and he came out with some quotes, basically, like, blasting the organization. He said, I love those guys. I want to make that clear. I know they're working hard, but I got sent down for defense. And what are they in goals against in the NHL? <laughs> I only, I only, I only played 22 games up there this year. I don't think it's my fault. They really painted it like it was my fault at the beginning of the year, and I didn't like that. So, awesome. I think that I feel like Josh Hosang. First of all, he has no future with this team because. With, with the Islanders, because when you come out and say something like that, it just doesn't work out to your favor. But it would be hilarious if Konechny came out after Haxtell had benched him and said something similar. But yeah, it's ridiculous. Konechny scored two goals against the Rangers. He was arguably the best player in the game. He makes one turnover, which is whatever. Voracek does that five times a game, and he's benched. So, you know, to answer your question of what can stop Travis Konechny, Dave Haxtell can stop Travis Konechny, but he's not going to because, you know, he's become arguably uh the best goal scorer on the team but but yeah connecting great i mean and i think he could be a future captain on this team could you imagine if that was a playoff game and a guy with two goals is benched for something so trivial and they end up i mean they luckily they were playing the rangers and the rangers are you know dreck this year but if they were playing a good team a Maybe it might not have even happened. He might not even bench them, but I don't put anything past Dave Haxtell. But could you honestly imagine if he benched him after scoring two goals and they ended up losing that game in how tight this playoff race has become and how what a premium points are right now? If they would have lost this that game, the fucking reaction out of the fans I don't even, I don't know if Dave Haxel, I don't know how you get past that at, at that point because the fans are so down on him to begin with that would, if he's going to go screwing around with the top goal scorers on the team like that and try to make fucking examples out of them and try to teach them lessons and stuff like that, the very second that it costs the team anything, a game, a win, a fucking point, anything, a goal, this, the, the fan base is going to crumble down upon Dave Haxtell. And my, that, I mean, if if the Flyers end up, if they would have lost that game, the Flyers end up lo- missing the playoffs by a point, who's getting the blame on that? Dave fucking Haxtell, that's who. Again, there's there's my rant. 
I, I know, Dan, you love when I um when I say the F words, when I drop the F bomb. So there you go. There's my little there's my rant on Dave Hackstall today. Let's uh let's let's let Ted talk about uh, Oscar Lindblom and Sandheim for a little bit. I'm interested in his thoughts on those guys. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I've been really impressed with Lindblom since he's been called up because for one thing, he's a Dave Hackstall player. And what I mean by that is the details of his game. He's very strong defensively. He's great along the boards. Um, and he knows exactly where his teammates are, and he passes it right to them on the tape. I mean, it's incredible. He's like a hockey genius. And um, through his first 19 games... He's first on the team in Corsi, first in expected goals, and second in high danger chances for. So all that stuff means when he's out there, good things are happening. Those are the most advanced stats I think I've ever heard in my entire life. I didn't even know that was a recorded thing. What you just, I didn't know those stats existed. Thank you for enlightening me because that's awesome. That's, that's the type of next level stuff that made us want to bring you on today because I've never even heard of those stats before. That's impressive that uh, Lindblom is, so you said he's first in expected goals since he joined the team. Yep. First in expected goals. Yeah, so I mean, obviously we knew he was getting a lot of scoring chances and couldn't bury them, but that's really illustrates just the number of, of quality scoring chances he's getting. And as Ted said, it's because he's putting himself in position to, receive passes from Nolan Patrick, from Jake Voracek. And, you know, the pucks have started going in. He's started to rack up some assists, and that's just going to continue. But he really is such a smart hockey player. It's, um, you know, he, he had one of the best seasons for a player of his age in the history of the Swedish Hockey League, on par with guys like Nicholas Backstrom and Daniel Alfredson. And the league was a little better when those guys were playing. But you can just see the way Lindblom plays. He's going to be a... He's he's a reason why the Flyers might not feel the need to re-sign Wade Simmons is mm-hmm. because Lindblom can do a lot of those same things, and ultimately you're probably going to want to have Lindblom at the Simmons in front of the net position on power play one. So Lindblom's really important to this team because he could, um, you know, he he's a guy who could help them make that Simmons decision a little easier. And I mean. It, at a time, well, not at a time down the road where the Flyers are gonna, you know, they don't want to bury themselves in bad contracts like they obviously have in the past. And I'm not necessarily saying that Wayne Simmons investing in him would be an awful thing or a crippling thing for the Flyers, but a guy several years younger like Lindblom, who probably has, you know, not probably he does, he has more pure hockey skill. Then, and his hockey sense obviously is off the charts uh, just by going how, going by the numbers that Ted just threw at us. I mean, his hockey sense is next level, and that's a guy that, you know, the Flyers are going to love to, you know, he's going to be probably one of the leading goal scorers for the next couple of years for the Flyers. Once he has a few more NHL games under his belt, obviously he came in late this season. He'll obviously start the, start the season with the team next year. So once he gets into the groove of the NHL season and once he hits his stride, I think he's going to be, you know, judging by how many scoring chances he's getting, he's going to put the puck in the net a lot for the Flyers. And a lot of that is probably going to come on, you know, in even strength where a lot of the fans like to, you know, complain, not complain, but they have a lot to say about the Flyers five on five production in recent seasons. That's like the the basis of any argument whenever the name Braden Shen comes up. It's one side or the other, you know. But Oscar Lindblom, you know, he all not not just him. It's Travis Connecty, Travis Sandheim now. Um all these young players of the Flyers are doing exactly what we all hoped they would do and what we not what we were all promised they could be and they're all beginning to pan out right before our eyes in this season where nobody really expected much. So it's a great time right now for these players to 
gel together, learn how to play together, learn the NHL, learn what they need to work on in the offseason to get better in the league they're playing in. And next season, it's going to be, you know, boots to the ground and let's go after this thing. We're not viewing ourselves as a young team rebuilding. We're viewing ourselves as a young team on the verge of being a Stanley Cup contender. And Lindblom, Konechny, Patrick, Sanheim, Provorov, that's a huge part of your core moving forward. And I don't have many bad things to say about either of those players right now. Now, there's lulls in a season. There's highs. There's lows. They're going to have those. But the highs will greatly outweigh the lows, especially this season. And them making the playoffs will be huge for the development of these players. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the main reasons we'd like this team to make the playoffs is because teams don't win the Stanley Cup the first year that they've made the playoffs after a while. So you need to get these kids some playoff experience, right? You want to see how some of them react. I mean, um, you know, Ted had, had mentioned that Sandheim has been playing really well. And ever since they paired him with Andrew McDonald, they, it, they've just been comfortable together. Now McDonald still does his, you know, falling all over the ice type of routine. But <laughs> but Sandheim looks to me a lot more comfortable with McDonald than he did with Radko Gudis, probably because Sandheim's a really good passer and him and McDonald can kind of set things up in their own zone and make decent outlet passes. I think maybe they've struggled a little more over the last few games than they did when Sandheim was first paired with McDonald. But um, you want to get these kids playoff experience. And, you know, that's that's going to be a key factor for, for the, these guys moving forward. Um, you know, one of the other players who's really started to come on of late is Jordan Wheel, and he's a guy that he could be someone who could be a good performer in this for, in the playoffs for this team. And many people forget that down the stretch of last year, Jordan Wheel was arguably their most effective offensive player. And when he's effective, he's got the puck, he's um, quick change of directions, he's you know he's kind of like a jitterbug out there. He's he's sort of like a uh, a poor man's version of Konechny with what he can do out there on the ice. And so he's a guy that could be a difference maker in the playoffs for this team. So, you know, their percentage after tonight, because New Jersey only got one point and Florida only got one point. So Flyers are almost a cinch to make the playoffs right now. And which is great, you know, let these kids get some experience. I don't think they can be Pittsburgh. If, if they catch Washington in the first round, I think that's a team that they could beat. But, um, yeah, I think it'd just be nice to have some playoff hockey, and as opposed to the year that they made it against the Caps and they got, you know, blown out of the building. I think this Flyers team is much better positioned to to beat a team like the Caps in the first round. And what's funny about Pittsburgh is that every time they play the Flyers, it looks like at will the Penguins could beat the Flyers, and then the Penguins go out and do stuff like get blown out by the Red Wings mm-hmm. a couple nights ago. So it's. It's funny, but, you know, I still don't think we could beat Pittsburgh. Boston, by the way, is they beat Tampa tonight, and uh, I think they're only one point behind Tampa. So everyone sort of talks about Tampa as the class of of the NHL and of the East all year long. Well, looks like they're about to get passed by the Bruins. But, but no, it's good. It's good this team hopefully make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so, Ted, I mean, um, Dan really touched on it there briefly, but I want to go into it more. It's kind of – a crazy thing to think about that. I mean, the capitals are likely most likely going to win the metropolitan division. So the flyers, that's their best matchup from a flyers perspective is the capitals. I think that's the most beatable team. You don't want to play the Pittsburgh penguins because Dan's right for whatever reason, whatever it is, the penguins can, it, it seems like they can beat the flyers at will and they can score at will. They get them in bunches when they play the Flyers. Malkin and Crosby go to a next level. And that's – I've talked about this in previous episodes. That is a team that has a playoff pedigree that you want nothing to do with. So it's insane to think that if the Flyers get that third seed in the division, then they're going to play the Penguins. So you're really just kind of – I don't want to say – if you ask any player in the locker room, they're not going to say they're playing for fourth, but they kind of are because you don't want to see the Penguins. 
it, but Ted, do you agree with Dan and myself? Are the Penguins the worst case scenario for the Flyers in the playoffs? And who would you prefer they play? I want nothing to do with the Penguins. Um, they're, they'd get smoked. Um, I prefer they play the Capitals just because they've done so much better against them this year. And for whatever reason, they just match up a lot better. Um, the only concern I'd have is the uh, Capitals penalty or power play. It's really good. And the Flyers penalty kill is not so good. So that would be my only concern in that matchup. But I think the Capitals would be my number one uh, hope that they play. What's it about the Capitals that makes them – I mean, because they're the, they're the best – well, they're the number one team in the division as far as standings go. So what is it about them that you think is so much more beatable than the Penguins? I don't think their defense is as good as it was the past couple of years. And um, especially with Konechny coming on and some of the other guys, I just think you can beat them with speed much more easily this year than previously. And the, the um, their goaltending as a whole is not up to par with how it's been the last couple of years. They're certainly not running into the same breed and Holtby as they were a couple of years ago, the last time they made playoffs. It would be nice for Dave Haxall to kind of redeem himself and pick, I mean, if the Flyers are going to win a series, it'd be nice for them to win a series against the team that eliminated them the last time they were in the playoffs. Dan, kind of the same thing with you. What is it about Washington that everyone seems to think is, you know, such an easier path for the Flyers? I mean, I think it's it's basically what Ted said. I mean, their team speed is not quite as good as it's been in the past. Their goaltending is a disaster. I mean, it might not even be Braden Holtley that they would face in the playoffs. So he, he hasn't even been getting the bulk of the starts recently. And, yes, the Caps are five points ahead of the Penguins, but that's only because the Penguins were really struggling at the beginning of the season. So I think – I don't think anyone's going to tell you that the Capitals are a better team than the Pens. And then you look in the other – division and pretty much all three teams have more points and are better than the caps right i mean the the lightning the bruins and the maple leafs are all better teams than the caps in my opinion so they're just the caps just aren't as dangerous as they've been in the past their power play is very good as ted alluded to which could cause problems for the flyers since their penalty kill is atrocious and they seem to leave ovechkin open all the time which is (laughs) amazing to me but um, you know, I just, I don't, I just don't think the Caps are, are as good as, as those top four teams in the conference. So, so we'll see. I mean, the one thing about a Penguin series is that it would be entertaining. I mean, every single series we've had against the Penguins has been insanely entertaining. So that would at least be something to look forward to. Uh, but, but for the hopes of the team advancing, yeah, I mean, the Caps are, the Caps are the team you'd want to face for sure. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I believe I believe it was 2012 when they played the Penguins. Was and I I say this all the time. It was the most entertaining playoff series that I have seen in any sport, and it would be nice to relive that. But from if you're looking for the Flyers to advance to the second round, it's it's not the Penguins you want to go up against in the first round. Dan, you are kind of the resident prospect guy around here and uh, I know there's a lot of the Flyers prospects both in college and in juniors that are making serious playoff runs and frozen four runs you want to update the good people on what's going on uh, down on the farm so to speak yeah I mean a lot of the Flyers best prospects are in the OHL right now and uh, they're they're doing very well in the playoffs. So Morgan Frost, who, who as many fans know, was the Flyers' first-round pick last year, and he just had an absolutely monster year. Uh, one of the best seasons for a 18-year-old in the OHL in recent history. Finished, I believe, second in the league in scoring. Um, his Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds have been an absolute juggernaut, um, and uh, and they swept Saginaw in the first round for four games to none. I think they outscored them like 25 to 8 23 to 8 in the first round frost had seven points he had a really good first round not only that but uh maxim sushko 
who was a uh, another, I think he was a fourth round pick of the Flyers uh, in this most recent draft and had a pretty good season. His Owen Sound attack swept 4-0 in the first round also. Matthew Strome, who I think was taken either one pick in front of or one pick behind Sushko, had a, he's a guy who's you know, had some skating issues, which are well documented, but he uh, he put up huge numbers, huge goal totals this year. And his, his team's up 3-1 to one in the first round, and Strome has uh, eight points in four games in the playoffs so far. So far. And then Isaac Ratcliffe, who was a second-round pick, um, and his team's a big underdog against Kitchener. He's on uh, the Guelph Storm. That series is tied 2-2. So the OHL guys are playing really well. I know that, you know, I haven't seen college. I think Tanner Luzinski's Ohio State team's been doing pretty well. Um and uh, but you know mainly it's just the OHL I've been looking at and the Flyers prospects are just doing really really well in the OHL playoffs and, and regular season. Ted, me and uh, Dan have kind of we've talked about this before on previous episodes. Dan is a huge fan of Morgan Frost and rightfully so. He's been a fan of him uh, pretty much since day one. He was very high on him. I understand that you are very high on him as well. And Dan uh, and and me. We both seem to think that there is a good chance that Morgan Frost is on the Flyers roster next year. What do you think the chances are of that? I'd say about 35%. And I give it about 35% because he needs to bulk up a lot. Yeah. And um, he also said in Dan's interview on Phileas Flyer that he wants to get stronger and improve his shot and even get faster. I mean, he's already fast, so um, he'd have to really blow the doors off in training camp to make the Flyers. I'd love to see it happen. I just – less than 50% for sure. Well, Dan, yeah, agree, I had it, disagree? Yeah, I mean, I tweeted out. I, I had it at 35% too. I mean, oh. at the um, – you know, Chris Pryor, the Flyers VP of scouting at the town hall, basically, you know – Someone asked him that question, and he said, well, if Morgan Frost was up here right now, you'd see that he really needs to get a lot bigger. So I think that it's about 35%. Here's something that's interesting. So I'll remember Ron Hextall, when Ivan Provorov was drafted, and then some people thought he should have made the Flyers right after his draft, uh, right after the year that he was drafted, didn't make the Flyers. Then he made it the next year, and someone had asked Hextall about it, and he said, you know, I remember, uh, you know, he said I'd watched the OHL playoffs and Ivan Provorov wore down as a 18-year-old at the end of the OHL playoffs. And that kind of told me that he needed to have another year of seasoning in the WHL. Sorry, WHL, not the OHL. And um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Sault Ste. Marie keeps playing well and if Morgan Frost does well. If, if Sault Ste. Marie wins the OHL championship, which they're favored to, and then he does really well in the Memorial Cup and doesn't wear down, I think that's going to mean a lot to Ron Hextall based on what he was talking about with Provorov. So if, if Sault Ste. Marie wins the Memorial Cup, Frost does really well, he puts on some weight in the offseason, puts on some muscle mass, and he comes into training camp and blows the doors off. But the Flyers need a third-line center next year. You've got Couturier at the 1C, Nolan Patrick at the 2C, Right now, Phil Peel is a 3C, but they're probably not going to re-sign him. And then you've got Scott Lawton, who's been the 4C. But I think Lawton has kind of shown that he's kind of limited with the offensive upside this season. So they, they're going to need a 3C next year. And I think you're looking at either Morgan Frost or maybe Mikhail Vrobiev, or maybe they bring someone in via free agency. But I think they'll give Frost a chance to, to get that 3C spot and pay attention to the OHL playoffs and hopefully the Memorial Cup for Frost, because I think that'll be the first step in the right direction for him making the Flyers if he does really well there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it, it it's going to be a, an exciting prospect camp and all that next year. I personally think that they, I think the Flyers, they're going to have some money to play with finally, so I think that they might bring somebody in, you know, somebody with a bit more NHL experience, but all that remains to be seen. We have to get through the rest of the regular season and the playoffs before we could uh, really, and before it's you know it's even fair to dive into anything in the off season. Let's just get through the fun part first, and the fun part 
is the NHL playoffs, which the Flyers have more than a 90% chance of making. So we're going to have playoff hockey. Philadelphia is riding high. We're going to have playoff hockey and playoff basketball coming off of a Super Bowl. There's a lot of good things going on right now. And look, playoff hockey, hands down, everybody knows, is the most entertaining form of playoff sport in the history of sports. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and the Flyers, uh, hopefully they could, you know, they got lucky with the uh, with the lottery and the second overall pick. Hopefully they get lucky and don't have to play the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. Um, so let's wrap it up here this week. Ted, if you would please uh, inform the people how they could uh, connect with you via social media and follow all your great Flyers knowledge. All right. People can find me at that guy one one nine two zero on Twitter. All right, Dan, proud Philly is flyer contributor. Where do they find you if they haven't already memorized your Twitter handle by now? Well, first let me say Ted's a really good follow on Twitter, so definitely throw him a follow. He, like he said, he, he wowed us with some of the advanced stats, and that's just kind of like a really small sample of some of the stuff he's putting out there. So definitely follow Ted. He's got a lot of good stuff coming out. Uh, you can follow me at at dsilver88 on Twitter, and uh, lots of great writers over at www.phillyisflyer.com. Uh, my next piece will probably be a prospect update after the playoffs are over. I'm nice. guessing, um, but uh, you can see some of the, the articles there. I got a recently updated Flyers top 15 prospects in January, and. Uh, and lots of great content from a lot of our contributors over at phillyisflyer.com. Yeah, Dan the Prospect Man. Wouldn't, don't know what I would do without you. Would not be as informed, that's for sure. As for me, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you could do so at Mark Flagman. That's with two N's. And you could follow this very show at underscore getting bullied, both on Twitter. Uh, comment, rate, subscribe to this episode and all the other ones of the Get Bullied podcast on iTunes, and uh, give our SoundCloud a follow too. That's helpful, and that uh, will keep you informed on what we're doing uh, week in and week out. So until next week, a lot going on in the world of the Philadelphia Flyers, and we will touch on all of it on the next episode of Getting Bullied. So until then, let's go Flyers. Good night, Sweden.